right. Merry Christmas, everybody. Hey, we are just thrilled, uh, delighted uh, to have you with us. Thanks for making River Glen part of your Christmas celebration. I know with, uh, you know, Christmas, we have expectations. You know, we want it to be perfect. We want it to be the perfect holiday. And with that come decisions about where to go and, and what to do. And uh, the fact that you chose uh, to be with us, uh, that just feels like an honor uh, to us. So thank you so much for being here. But I want to talk to you about, uh, you know, our Christmas uh, traditions. I want to know, uh, you know, about your Christmas traditions that you keep uh, to try and make it a perfect holiday, because I think all of us do that, myself included. I've got some pictures here I want to show you, and you get to, you get to choose your preference, okay, between two things, and I want you to show it through your applause, all right? Okay, let's take a look at this, and uh, we're going to start with the good stuff. Uh, we're going to start with dessert, all right? Got pecan pie, or some people call it pecan pie, pumpkin pie over here. So, you know, how many, how many say pecan pie? Yep. Pumpkin pie. All right. We're already off to a bad start because the correct answer is pecan pie. All right, because the wise men brought gifts to Jesus, gold, frankincense, myrrh, and pecan pie. It's in there. It's in the original, Okay. Trust me. Let's move on and talk about something else. This is big. This is the main entree, all right? We got, we got ham, or also we'll take bacon, and we got uh, turkey. So uh, how many say ham? <laughs> turkey. Okay, this is going wrong because the turkey, that's the wrong answer, all right? Uh, this is, people, this is dry. Okay, and this had its day last month. All right, let's let the turkey rest. December's all about ham. Got it? Let's move on because this is the food. Let's talk about music. Music's really a big part of Christmas. We need to have some good Christmas music. We got uh, Bing Crosby, White Christmas, or Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas is You. How many say Bing? Yep. Mariah? Bing, of course, is the correct answer. All right, hang on. Brace yourself. We've had fights break out on this next one. You know, we've had people stand up, yell, storm out of here. We've had divorces happen. All right, this is the big one. It's Christmas tree. You know what I'm talking about. Fake tree or real tree? How many say fake tree? Yep. Real tree. You know, my wife Marnie and I have been married 27 years, and we've argued about this for 27 years. I grew up in a house, we had the uh, fake tree, like Jesus, and she grew up in the house with the real tree, and so that's what we have. We have real tree, but I'll tell you, our, our, our tree this year, our real tree is awful. Yeah, I mean, it's terrible. It, the trunk is so soft, the tree stand won't hold it tight. We put it up, decorated it. And that night we heard this crash. Real tree fell over in our living room. Ornaments, water, pine needles, everywhere. We, we literally have our Christmas tree leaning against the wall <laughs> to keep it up. And I, I, I tell you, I like, I like fake trees. I'm telling you, this is a fire hazard too, okay? This is like a bucket of gasoline in your living room plugged into the wall. <laughs> All right? I like the fake tree. And the only thing better than the fake tree is the pre-lit fake tree. They're awesome. You know what I'm talking about? Three pieces, put it together, plug it in. Merry Christmas. Yeah. 
Now, if you still need convincing, listen to this story. We've had people submit stories. We called these Grinch stories, stories about things that went wrong for Christmas. Somebody wrote and said, upon returning from spending a day visiting grandparents, listen to this, we saw hundreds of newly hatched baby spiders streaming down the real Christmas tree to the drapes and finally down to the floor. Our tree drapes and ornaments found their way to a snowbank in the front yard within mere minutes. And so they just got rid of that spider-infested real tree. And uh, so I want you to think about that and uh, pray about that, all right? Because that plays into the perfect Christmas and we all want it to be perfect. Now one more category, just briefly, this, goes, this is what goes under the tree, this is the gifts you know, the, the packages and how we wrap them. And many of you, you know, but wrap with bows and ribbons and tinsel and bright colored paper. But guys, you know, us guys, we don't tend to wrap things very well. And we wrap with all kinds of things. We wrap with, you know, newspaper, uh, grocery bags, the Amazon box, which is perfectly fine. It's got the smiley face on it. That's good. It's good. But probably the best invention, the last century for man, the gift bag. Right there, because it says, I cared enough to wrap it, I just can't do corners. And the gift bag, I mean, is just that much closer to the perfect uh, Christmas. Now, here's something I think we would all agree on. As much as you and I start out December 1st thinking, this is going to be the perfect Christmas, never is. It just never is. Something always goes wrong. A friend of mine, his cat drank the water out of the tree stand and threw up all over the house. Or the dog, you know, hikes his leg on the tree. It happens. Or the kids complain about their uh, gifts. Or, you know, maybe, uh, maybe you're single and you want to be married. And Christmas just has this way of highlighting imp- the imperfections that we, that we feel in, in our lives. Maybe you're, you're single and you, you want to be married. You go to these gatherings with family and friends and, and everybody else seems like they're married. And it highlights what you feel like is missing in your life. Or maybe you're married, but it's a difficult marriage and Christmas highlights that struggle in your life. Or maybe you lost a loved one this last year and it's the first Christmas without this person and it's gonna be tough. Your mind's gonna focus on that empty chair where that loved one would have sat. Or maybe you lost your job and Christmas highlights what you can't provide for your family this year. Here's why this is a problem for us because we tend to believe that the first Christmas was perfect. I mean, think about the, uh, the songs that we sing, think about the pictures that we see and you know, the little nativity sets that we put out. They're just, they're just picture perfect. In fact, we've got one here. Here's a picture of the first Christmas and uh, you know, everybody's happy, right? You know, everybody's uh, smiling uh, here and uh, you know, the cow, you know, he's made his way into the selfie over there. He's happy. Everybody's doing, doing great. But as every woman knows who's ever uh, given birth, all right, if you gave birth to a, a baby in a barn without an epidural, you're not going to look like that. <laughs> and as much as we love to sing this song, we're going to sing it later in the service, it would not be a silent night. And if you, if, if you gave birth, ladies, okay, right after uh, delivery, you're probably not going to wear a belt, like that, that's, that's not gonna happen, all right? I'm, I'm, I love that picture because that's the image that we've seen, but think about what's really going on here, okay? You have a pregnant teenager in a pre-arranged engagement to a, a guy she probably bar- barely knows because 
Her parents set it up for her. And then at nine months into her pregnancy, she's got to ride on the back of a donkey all the way 120 miles to Bethlehem to register for a census. And when they arrive, nobody even invites them into their home. And they have to hang out in a stable or a a cave. Last month, I uh, had the opportunity to travel over to Israel with a group from River Glen, and we had a great time. One day, we visited Bethlehem, and I expected to see green pastures and sheep and a stable, but instead, they took us to this cave where they believe Mary gave birth. I I asked the, the guide in about, about it, and she explained that if you look in the scripture, it says they put baby Jesus in a manger, which they probably used to feed animals, and so we assume Jesus was born in a stable, but they also kept animals, people kept animals in caves, and so in Bethlehem, they actually teach that Mary gave birth to Jesus in a dark and dreary cave, and then not long after that, word gets out about the birth of a new king of the Jews, and the reigning king named Herod gets so jealous He orders the execution of every baby boy in that city and in that region. It was not a perfect Christmas. And here's why this is important for us to understand, because the way that we view Christmas becomes the way that we view God. And the way that we translate Christmas becomes the way that we translate God. And some things get lost in the translation, because we think about that first Christmas and how perfect we think it was, and then we look at our Christmas and how dysfunctional it is, dysfunctional it is. And, and here's how we translate that as, well, that first Christmas must have been a fairy tale. Or worse, God must have been present then, but he's not present now. And not just in December, we view the other 11 months of our life that way too. I mean, if, if you think about it, some of the things that happened in your life this past year probably were not picture perfect. Maybe your husband left you. Maybe your wife reconnected with an old boyfriend on Facebook, or you know, your son couldn't, get into the college he wanted, or your daughter entered rehab, and it wasn't picture perfect. And when those things begin to happen, you tend to think, where is God? And why is he present elsewhere, but he's not present in my life? Is he mad at me? Has he forgotten about me? Has he left me? And we wonder, why was God there, but he's not here? Now, here's what I want you to understand this Christmas. Not only was the first Christmas not perfect, that was never the goal. It was much bigger than that, and it affects all of us because Christmas is for everybody. Back in the first century, there was this accountant by the name of Matthew that left his career and spent several years following Jesus. And then they crucified Jesus, and after Jesus resurrected and went back to heaven, Matthew decides to write an account of Jesus' life. And so he wrote down all the details about Jesus so that we could know about him. And Matthew's account has been preserved and passed on to us through the Bible. I want you to see the opening line of Matthew's account of uh, uh, Jesus. Uh, Because I want you to notice, he doesn't start with the birth of Jesus. He starts with this list of names of the ancestors of Jesus because he wants to establish the historical legitimacy of the Christmas story. Do you know what's the opening line, the most popular opening line for a book, including children's books? That's your hint. Once upon a time. But Matthew doesn't start out by saying, once upon a time, there was a young woman named Mary. No, because he wants to anchor the Christmas story in history to show that it really happened. And then he tells us about the birth of Jesus and how perfection 
was never really the goal for the first Christmas. It was much bigger than that. Take a look at what Matthew says about the real goal of Christmas. He says, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you talk about a mess. You talk about dysfunction. Joseph finds himself in a prearranged engagement with a pregnant teenager, and he has no idea uh, what to do about this situation. And so he begins to try to figure out, you know, his options for dealing with this imperfect situation. It says Joseph, her fiance, was a good man and didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Basically, he has two options. He can go around and say, yeah, Mary's pregnant, but it's not mine. And here's what would happen. They would take Mary outside of town, and they would have her killed. I know that sounds severe, but they did that back then. And it's still done in some cultures today. Or he could, he could go to her quietly and say, Mary, we need to just end this. And he could just leave her. And Joseph decides to take the kinder of those two options. But then something happens. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid. Take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Throughout scripture, we see God doing this, communicating with people through dreams. And through this dream, God communicates to Joseph through an angel, and he begins to confirm the details about Mary's story. God says, listen, Joseph, it's not going to be the perfect situation, and it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable, but those things were never the point. It's so much bigger than that. And then the angel tells Joseph the real point of Christmas. Look at what he says. He says, she will have a son, and you're to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The angel says, Joseph, I know this isn't the picture of perfection that you thought it would would be, and I know this isn't what you imagined when you and Mary went and registered for toasters and mixers and all of that, And, and I know your parents think she's lying, your friends think she's crazy, but this is not about A perfect Christmas. That was never the point. It's all about a perfect Savior. You know, I think all of us know what it's it's like to have imperfect Saviors. We've all put our hopes and and trust in someone or something thinking, you know, this is going to save me. For example, this deal will save me financially. This baby will save my marriage. This surgery will save my life. The drugs or alcohol is going to save me from painful memories of the past. More success and accomplishment in toys is going to save me from feeling hopeless or aimless. I, or, or I could say, I'm sorry, or forgive me, or I'll get some, get some help, or I'll do better next time, and it'll save my relationship. But none of those things provide lasting satisfaction, do they? And something else always happens. The truth is, we know what it's like to have imperfect saviors, and that's just when it comes to our sins against one another. We're still trying to figure out what to do about our sins, against God. Think about it. Many of us just keep hoping and crossing our fingers that somehow our good deeds will outweigh our bad deeds, but nobody's told us, how does that work? You know, is it, is it, is it a one-to-one ratio? Is it three good deeds for every bad deeds? Bad de- how many good deeds does it take? And when do you know when you've done enough? We don't know, and we're not very good at keeping our own rules, let alone God's rules. We struggle to keep a budget or keep a diet or 
drive the speed limit and we make mistakes and just continuously need someone to bail us out, certainly with God. And many of us cross our fingers hoping somehow we'll be good enough. But what we really need is a savior. What we really need is somebody to save us from ourselves and save us from our sins. You know, this Christmas, I wonder if you know just how much you need a savior. You know, as we conclude 2015, you may be thinking, you know, next year, I need to get married. Or I need to have a child. Or I need my child to move out. Or I need a financial advisor. Or, or I need to win the lottery. Or I need a new job or a, a bonus. Or I need a new house or a, a better neighborhood. And we think all these, th- all these things are going to be game changers for us. But do you know what we need the most? We need a savior, somebody to save us from ourselves and from our sins. And the angel says that's exactly what this baby will do. It may not be the perfect setting. It may not be the perfect Christmas, but he is the perfect savior. And then to prove this point, uh, Matthew quotes a prophecy from 800 years earlier. It was written and spoken 800 years previous. Look at what he says. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him, look at this, Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so this is no ordinary baby. This is God in the flesh. Look at that name, Emmanuel, God with us. This means God came into the world so that you and I would never be alone. You might feel lonely, but you're not alone. And you don't have to fend for yourself when it comes to managing your sin issues because you have a Savior. God came near that first Christmas, and he has never left. You know, I mentioned earlier how we invited people to give us Grinch stories about past Christmases, and we received many of these, and some of them were really funny. We read several of them in our weekend services and laughed about them, but you know what? Most of them exposed pain, sadness, and hurt, and loneliness. Maybe because of a family conflict, or an illness, or some difficult circumstance. Maybe you find yourself feeling lonely this Christmas. I saw a video recently of a little girl who felt lonely one Christmas that I want you to see. Take a look at the screens. Finally tonight, the best presents don't come with price tags and they don't require batteries. Steve Hartman with a lesson in the holiday spirit on the road. When Santa showed up at Tar River Elementary near Raleigh, North Carolina, y'all been good? He not only brought gifts. Go ahead and open it. He brought every second grader the exact toy they'd asked for in their letters. Did everybody get what they wanted? Ah, uh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> every kid, that is, but Bethany Arnold, who refused to ask him for a single toy. Dear Santa, my daddy is in Iraq. Could you bring him home, home for, for Christmas? Christmas? That would be the best gift of all. Did you know you were asking for something that was kind of tough? Mm, yes, but, well, it's tough to go around the world in one night. That's true. And I've never wanted anything more than that. Bethany's dad, Wendell Arnold, is a contractor in Iraq. He's been working on that country's much-needed electrical infrastructure. I understand that he has to stay and help people. 
She's only seen him two weeks in the last two years. But I do miss him a lot. Last time they saw each other, while he was on leave in Germany, they exchanged these keychains. This is his heart. She carries his while he holds on to hers. I told her, I said, the next time that I see you, I'll, I'll give your heart back. Unfortunately, bringing two hearts together at Christmas isn't always a government priority, which is why this year Bethany decided to appeal to a higher authority. Santa. She even asked him again at school. Santa, for Christmas, I want my dad to come home. And that's when her wish began coming true. That's when she got her heart back. And that's when this Santa revealed to all of us the true meaning of Christmas. Daddy! There's not a toy in the workshop that ever got this kind of reaction. You sure you don't want something else? Just so happy that you're home. Not a bow big enough to wrap the joy. Steve Hartman, on the road, near Raleigh, North Carolina. Anchors aren't supposed to cry, but if they did, for all of us at CBS News all around the world, Merry Christmas to all. And to all, a good night. Yeah, that's a great story, isn't it? That's a tearjerker. I saw that a few weeks ago, and it really touched me, and I thought, oh, I'd like to show that. But I really couldn't see a connection uh, to Christmas Eve, and I thought, maybe we'll save it for another time, maybe some other weekend, maybe some other Christmas. But then it just hit me, right in front of me. I mean, isn't that what Christmas is really all about, according to Matthew? Think about it. That little girl didn't want toys. She didn't want any gifts. She wanted her dad. And I think we're the same way. Deep down, I mean, toys are, toys are nice, gifts are nice. But what we really want and need the most is a personal relationship, a personal encounter with our Father God. And the story of the first Christmas is that God came near. God came to be with us, not for a weekend, He came and he will never leave. And that is the best gift of all. And so so I hope this Christmas is great for you. I hope you have fun. You know, I hope you get along with your family. I hope you get everything that you want. I hope it's perfect. But even if it's not, remember, it was never about a perfect Christmas. It was all about a perfect Savior. And that's exactly what we got. Jesus is Emmanuel. God with us. He's not a million miles away. He's right here with us. And so I just have one question for you. Are you with God? Are you with God this Christmas? And for some of you, maybe this is all new to you and you know, you're not sure, you need to think about it. And that's fine. That's okay. Here's what I want to ask you to do. As the calendar closes for 2015 and the new one opens for 2016, this is an excellent time to give God and to give church a fresh start. I want you to keep attending. The next few months, we've got services lined up and planned out that I think are gonna be really impactful and gonna help you understand what it really means to be with God. You know, one of, my, one of my close friends, that's how he got started. He just randomly came to a church on Christmas Eve and he decided to give God and give church a fresh start and he began this journey that totally changed his life and has brought him new peace and joy. 
And the same thing can happen to you. Maybe some of you'd like to talk to somebody today about Jesus. Stop in the lobby at the resource center, the info center. We'd love to help you. We have people available that would, that would talk to you. Maybe some of you have followed Jesus for years. Maybe you're with Jesus. But this Christmas season has been busy and hectic and stressful. And the next couple of days are also going to be really busy. And you're in danger of missing out on the real point of the celebration of, of, of Christmas. And so I want to invite you, I want to invite everyone to use these next few moments to remember it's not about the perfect Christmas. It's all about the perfect Savior. Don't miss the joy of the, of the celebration because baby Jesus grew up and lived a perfect life and he went to a cross and gave his life for all of our sins so that we could be with him now and forever. And so I'm gonna pray, and, and then we're gonna share communion. The bread and the tray represents Christ's body. The juice represents Christ's blood. And, and this may be new to you, and if, and if you, you wanna take a pass on it, that's fine. But I also want you to know, our communion is open to anyone who receives Jesus, who accepts Jesus as their perfect savior. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you that you've come near and you've not left us to ourselves. You've not left us to figure out how to make something better out of our lives on our own. You have made a way for us. And you came near to be a part of that. And you came near to save us from ourselves and, and from our sin. And you came near so that we would know that you're always with us. That we're never alone because you never leave. God, help us to experience and feel your presence with us these next few moments. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.